Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today I am joined by the wonderful Tracy Cashy. Hi Tracy, how are you doing? Hi, I'm just wonderful, you know, I'm just so wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel wonderful, you said, with great teeth. Tracy and I have just been uh, looking at our virtual backgrounds. Tracy sat in a beautiful forest mm. um, with dappled sunlight, and uh, I'm in a uh, apothecary. <laughs> An apothecary. Oh, it's, it looks a bit like a pub, to be fair. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that might be me projecting. No, no, it's, it does look like a pub, and they're all in alcohol anyway, so it's, it's truly medicinal. Truly oh. medicinal, yeah, it's, uh, it's perfect. So, Tracy, um, Tracy joins us as she has um, a story to tell about breast cancer. So could you... Fun of breast cancer. Oh, yes. Well, it touches many lives. But, yeah, can you let our listeners know, uh, like, how that's how that's gone down like what's happened what the hell happened what the hell am i doing here well you know breasts touch all our lives some of us more than others um (laughs) but uh yeah i had i had i had fabulous breasts and then i had not so fabulous breasts and then i had my my uh my my uh my final kid my and when my final kid was two and i was 42 um i uh i was having a scrub in the shower and i found the lump um which i didn't name it was just a lump yeah. um, and then cut a long story short found out that it had a you know a twin so twin lumps and and then i was on the merry-go-round which was which was uh, you've got cancer let's deal with it in various ways and and it was it was all such a mindfuck um that i that I just started to, um, I don't know, it was almost like an out-of-body experience, but between the panic and the, um, you know, being very, very sort of serious about it, about logistics, um, because I, I asked my, my doctor, I said, look, well, I don't really know what's going on, but the only question I really thought to ask was, how long till life goes back to normal? And she said to me, well, at least six to nine months. And that was about, mm, that was in the spring of 2018. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit longer than that, but that was, she couldn't have, fore- that wasn't foreseeable. But it, I had such bizarre sort of conversations. It was all so surreal that the way me and my husband got through it at the time and still now is just to have a very dark sense of humour about what yeah. was going on. Because it's very, it's very, it's weird. It's just weird. Yeah. You know, one minute I'm a woman with, you know, I've got young children. Uh, I'm trying to teach performing arts, occasionally do some performing arts. And I was just in that bubble of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, still found things to be miserable about. Although, if, obviously, if I had my time back, I'd have, 
I don't know what I'd have done, but I, I wouldn't have moaned so much about stupid little stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it, this happens and it's like everything stops. Everything has to stop. Yeah. And suddenly you're making decisions about whether or not to cut off one breast, to cut off two breasts, to have them um, replaced with God knows what. Um, yeah. And the, the, the one, my, the most surreal conversation I had was with a plastic surgeon about, about pig flesh mesh. And I remember us joking about, you know, I'm Jewish. And I remember saying, well, what am I going to say to my rabbi when I tell him I'm going to be all Jew, part pig? <laughs> and that ended up being one of the, um, one of the sections in my, in my show, my cancer gap year, yeah. um, which just brought the house down and people loved it. And it was such a joy to go from that hideous moment being, you know, generally horrible but going through get you know getting through it by laughing laughing about it to, yeah. to an actual piece of performance art that it helped break down the barriers of you know something that a lot of people don't particularly want to share or talk about which is fine but that was my way of coping my way of coping was to share to uh, and to and to just write notes and notes and notes and notes in the hopes that i don't know something beautiful could come out of it or something yeah. meaningful but the show was the comedy, the decision to, um, I'm not letting you get a word in edgeways, I'm not. No, you're all right. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Easy. I'm reading your mind. <laughs> your next question, Gemma, is... <laughs> what you can't see is I'm sagely nodding. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but the, the, the real decision um, to, to share it in, in the form of stand-up comedy is that I felt very much that I was... I was completely shocked that somebody in their early 40s could have breast cancer. Yeah. My assumption was that it was for, you know, postmenopausal women in their 50s. That's when, um, I'm not sure what it is now. I think maybe it's from 48. I don't know where, I mean, and from now on, God knows, after COVID, yeah. when people will get routine mammograms. But I was just shocked. I just didn't think it, it could happen to me. And actually it happens to women in their 20s and 30s as well. Um, so. I wanted to to spread the good news <laughs> but in a palatable way. Yeah. So I and it was and that's you know just the way you do talking about menstruation and periods and like unsuspecting men get a little bit of an education and it's all a bit of fun. So that's what I wanted to do about younger women and, and breast yeah. care and yeah. looking after your bodies because we're so hard on ourselves. I was hard on myself and I think because my breasts had changed from being, you know, lovely and perky to a bit droopy after the babies. Yeah. Um, I didn't really want to look at them or know about them or take care of them or even think about them as part of being at the general health of a woman. Yeah. So I thought it was important to talk about that, but nobody really wants to hear about it in a, in a serious way, I thought. So I thought, let's try and make it funny. Let's try and make it accessible. And I enjoyed the challenge of it. And it was, a, it was a fantastic distraction for me from all my, fucking hideous treatments yeah. that I had to endure because I had a double mastectomy swiftly followed by six months of chemotherapy then I had hormone therapy yeah. um, and it was insane the amount of changes and side effects that I yeah. went through within the course of 12 months was you know I, I still can't believe what I went through yeah but um but then, of course, six months before, six months, six weeks before the show um, was was debuted in October last year, 
um, I found out that the bloody cancer was back and that this time it was back for good. Oh. And it was, it was a real shock. So then I, w- I went from hero, cancer girl, talks about and shares breast stuff and comedy and la la la. And it's like, yeah. I, went, I went from like this sort of slightly heroic position to, to almost like a cautionary tale. And I, and, I, and I almost lost my sense of humor, but then I was really lucky because I got angry. Yeah. What I got angry about was this culture of you've got to stay positive at all yeah. times. Oh my God, it's so toxic. So toxic. <laughs> really toxic. I mean, I understand where it comes from because it's, you know, serious health scares are scary. Yeah. There's a clues in the title, but at the same time, nobody wants to be told how to feel. Yeah. Nobody does. Um, so I put that in my show as well, and, and, and I sang with it. I actually sang, you've got to accentuate the positive, but in a very sort of strange and sarcastic way. And I had these images in the background. I, had, I was really lucky in the venue that I had a, a, a massive screen. And I had the images of me in looking various shades of shit or various like states of surgical undress or just bald going from having really long beautiful hair to completely bald and you know all of these crazy shocks that that um that I went through um while at the same time grinning madly and and I think that was quite powerful yeah oh god I think like uh when I nursed you are on a knife edge of tragedy Mm -hmm. and humor on either side and the the separation is so thin that you know i've been in horrific situations like yourself uh with people and we're laughing and anyone on the outside would be like the hell are you laughing at this is really bad but it's like a reflex and a a release of tension and it helps it's healing it's very healing absolutely healing Yeah. yeah and i think you're absolutely right like you could you could go and listen to something really earnest about breast cancer or endometriosis or anything like that and we'd all be like this is so dry it'd be like trying to eat 10 jacobs crackers whereas you go and watch something as beautiful as this uh with someone who's really open and honest and authentic with it Mm. and it's so much more empowering um to see what you've gone through and then share that so beautifully with others Mm. yeah it's great Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wanted to do something, something beautiful and special with my experience. But then, of course, you know, there, co- there comes a little crash. And I think of, after the show debuted, you know, oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And I just, I just don't have it in me. So, yeah. I, I, so I had a bit of, bit of time off. And then I was just, you know, but doing stand up, it's such a generous, it's such, a, it's such an inclusive, generous, democratic well, in my experience anyway, yeah. anyone can just pretty much go up there and do their five or 10 minutes. And it's like, and I found my way back. I found my way back to, <laughs> so then my next sort of mission was to try and make terminal cancer funny because that's, that's, my, that's my type of cancer. It's incurable, yeah. but it is treatable so that I, they try and prolong life yeah. in my situation. So that was, and, it, and, it's, and it, again, it's a fine line between, you know, wanting to be positive and not not sort of just give give up completely and just sort of you know 
because my instinct now is to try and find the funny in any situation yeah so important actually yeah and i think there's such a taboo about terminal illness and death um and i and i like the idea of 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 shaking people up a bit with that (laughs) yeah it's a fine line honestly i don't even know how i do it sometimes i i really don't yeah um but I, li- I know I like doing it. Yeah. Well, you can do it because you're there. I think that's why you have that power when you own something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you're absolutely right. As soon as anyone has a diagnosis, of definitely with cancer, for sure. Like, no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like that like British affliction of being ever so polite and not mentioning it. And, uh, and, and actually... Although you might not want to talk about it all the time, but at least name it for what it is, you know, like, and not just create this elephant in the room. And I think it's, it's directly related to this, to this sort of, if you're positive, then you can beat the hard things in life. But actually, none of us are going to beat that. Yeah. So there's this, there's, this, there's this feeling like, there's this almost like, oh, shit, I failed. You know, I've, I should be ashamed of myself because... Because I because I, because the cancer came back, so obviously I did something wrong. I had one negative thought on a Tuesday afternoon at three thirty p.m. and that caused the cell to mutate, which caused all the trouble. So there's that kind of bullshit thinking yeah. that you know, I'm guilty of myself because you know I don't want to be depressed and give up or anything. I want to be a realist yeah. and I want to try and enjoy you know today and whatever the rest of my life looks like and I think that's the same for everyone but there's no hiding from a that sort of diagnosis and b the kind of treatment that the because there are so many options for treatment you're you know you're sort of expected to say yes yes to everything yes yes give me give me all these drugs and poisons <laughs> and and radiation and blah, 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 and thank you so much for giving it to me and never mind that I'm completely tortured and com- incapacitated for months on end. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm conflicted with at the moment because yeah. I need to find the balance between saying, yes, thank you very much, modern medicine. And oh my God, can I just breathe for a minute? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally. There's, there's space for both, you know, like I think, I mean, certainly in my work, that's uh, as having been a nurse and now in like, um, alternative medicine as being a herbalist and everything else that I do it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's finding that balance and I've you know yes there's great points about like regular medicine but there's also amazing points about alternative stuff and the two can work together um but sadly there seems to be such a them and us divide that I just wish they would like join forces because you know it's not just about the body like there is the the mind part of that all comes together as well you know like looking after your um mental health with all of it too is is really important Um, i think it's the most important thing yeah yeah in being alive if you're if you don't you know if you're if if you're miserable yeah exactly that i remember i can't i think it was um timothy spall um, he had cancer and he said he knew he was like feeling better when he started he stopped being so profound about stuff so right <laughs> in the middle of his like treatment and things he'd be he'd like look at a tree and think oh my god this tree is such beauty I may never see it again kind of thing the and then poignancy, the poignancy is yeah. very productive 
Yeah. And, and I remember the, the day I got diagnosed uh, with, the, with the return cancer, with the secondary cancer, I was on the Northern Line and I was weeping for the, for, for the camaraderie and the humanity in my carriage. And I remember telling my doctor afterwards and he started laughing and he goes, oh my God, I hate the Northern Line. And it was like, I was like, no, but no, but no, the humanity, the com- brushing your shoulder up against. I mean, this is even, you know, pre-COVID days where we didn't even realise what a fantastic privilege it was to be squashed up against a computer. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, poignancy is, is a fucker, mm. um, for sure. And, you know, being, being grounded in reality and uh, is so much better. Is so yeah. much better. He but, said uh, when he started to get better, he was like, fucking tree, leaves all over the floor, <laughs> making a mess. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's so good. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it is really hard. It's really hard to, to dance that dance every day of just, just living and just enjoying you know the ridiculous thing that my five-year-olds just said or or just I don't know a good plate of food or just having a laugh with a friend um against you know the enormity of mortality you know it's you can't you can't unless you're just living in a cave on drugs or you know monk hermit then maybe you can ponder life's existence a bit more bit more uh it starts to get too big i think uh like if you focus in on that too much isn't it and that's like i think like you say take each day as it comes enjoy the good stuff that's in amongst that and try and laugh about the weird maybe not so good stuff because generally that's that's where like the comedy and stuff resides Mm -hmm. um so it was really your cancer diagnosis that got you into stand up and Yeah. yeah I I wouldn't I don't think I would have ever done it otherwise well it's kind of like it well it can be like we said earlier it can be a bit of a therapy session (laughs) sometimes it's a bit like well this is cool and then sometimes it's a bit like too much too much (laughs) this is still too raw (laughs) you've got to make people feel like it's safe and it's okay so I, I mean I I enjoyed that challenge of like (laughs) <laughs> dropping the bomb that is the c word which is cancer yeah. and then like you, you can feel that the temperature in the room go to like to go to zero and then to bring them back again that was my challenge and in a, you can see um i put all uh, quite a lot of um videos from like my first gig to my one of my most recent ones and you'll see how it it's almost like a montage of of how it develops and how it gets more and more um sure i get more confident about being able to do that and get them back and 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 you know what i mean because there's a lot going on you have to you have to uh keep refining it and i that's actually the first time i think i really developed a work ethic that i enjoyed that was i I really i like to look over each thing and yeah that didn't work why didn't that work let's see what i can do next time and i that that part of it for me it's like this constant opportunity for redemption and for improvement i loved it and if i if i'd had that when i was an actual student i would have been a professor by now (laughs) sadly i did not have that work ethic because i suppose it didn't mean that much to me i didn't really understand the point of uh, education apart from just pleasing pleasing the authorities that be yeah Uh, yeah 
definitely. I think, like you say, uh, comedy has that. It's very raw and tangible. And the only way you can test it is to say these things out loud. And uh, which is, you know, do or die, really. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the audience is very malleable and how you can, like, weave stuff and, and, and you know, manipulate it to an extent with what you're saying is just a really interesting yeah. Uh, kind of process and um... no, and it's so it's it's such a it's when you're when you're in front of a crowd and you, you're you're working together actually to find the comedy and, yeah. and none of you both of you I think I knew like I knew when my safe laughs were yeah. but there was some other stuff where I would like start playing with the audience a little bit and start like if they were younger women talking about how perky they were you just you don't know how perky you are. And I'd find out their names and I'd say, oh, Alice, Alice, you have no idea. And I'd talk to them about what's in store for them and all this sort of stuff. And I didn't really know where, where that was going to go. And that was, that was really exciting too. And that's what I find really depressing about trying to do comedy uh, on Zoom or, or, yeah. or on, online. It's just like, oh, God, there's no air between us. And yeah. I always feel like the alchemy happens in the air. And I think performance spaces, I don't, I don't know what the future will be, but, I think getting back to that is going to be quite, it's going to be quite a, a long, tough journey. Yeah, yeah, Whether definitely. Yeah, for sure. And it, there's nothing, there's nothing like that liveness for that. You know, like you say, the alchemy that you create, the energy, and mm -hmm. and all of that, and just the fun that you can have talking utter shit on the stage. It's great, especially like you say when you sometimes deviate away and you just roll with it and and whatever comes up it um I've got a, an amazing pair of trousers that have got fannies all over them <gasps> and for all intents purposes they kind of look like a pattern or leaves or they're pink so it kind of gives you a, a, a notion that they're not leaves but um I love it when I wear them on stage and then like someone will be looking at them and I'm like, Oh, I'll always pick on a guy cause it gets a better reaction. But like, <laughs> Thanks for noticing. I've got fannies all over my trousers. And then they're like, I don't know where to look. <laughs> where did you find them? They're from a company called Lucy and Yak. Um, they do dungarees and then they do these, I've got like the high top ones. I just love them. I yeah, love them. Yeah. Really good. Really? Cause people do sort of clock it and then give you a double take. You're like, yeah. These are fannies all over my trousers. <laughs> I look forward to seeing them one day. I look forward to seeing your fannies one day, Gemma, <laughs> is what I meant to say. <laughs> I have many. I've even got a t-shirt with fannies on. Like, that's what happens when you start working in this field, like all your friends, and then just send you all fanny-related paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You've opened, you've opened up the fannies. Yeah. <laughs> you've opened it up. There's no closing the fanny again. The chakras have well and truly been uh, cleaned out for sure. <laughs> so how have you, I think we've touched on this a little bit already, but how have you found that it's helped to make sense of the process, like all the cancer stuff, like processing it on stage and things? How has well, that helped? And Well, it's just, it just means I've got somewhere to go to with the crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I mean, like I had, I had, I had a whole month of radiation that finished a couple of weeks ago. And I, I just, I just knew, I knew that I, in order to endure it, I, first of all, I was constantly making the nurses laugh, which I just find, I, just, I find that brilliant. Because they were, my, they were my only captive audience of like fresh faces to, to really 
get under so I, so they so there's a lot of um with radiation there's quite a lot of it's almost like bondage <laughs> i imagine a lot of re being restrained and yeah. then because one of the areas was in my neck i had to have a, a face and shoulder neck um mask yeah and the whole procedure for that was so bizarre and ridiculous like they were they put some plastic on me like some some plastic stuff on me and then they yep. wet it so so one minute i'm covered in plastic and then i'm wet and then they're molding it around me and then they're locking me in almost like i'm a tent that needs to be pegged and then and then it's just just it's just so bizarre and then one of the scans i had to have with that on which lasted for about three hours yeah. um because things kept going wrong so and you can't move during the scan you know what do you do with yourself in those situations yeah yeah so so for me in order to endure that i i had to think about right well what am i going to do am i am i so i took pictures i shared the pictures i was i was you know asking my friends for like you know comedy punchlines for this picture like what can yeah. we do so it was a it was a way of coping with with yeah. the horror of it frankly but it's backfired a bit because I insisted on taking the mask home when the radiation finished and I put it in the cupboard under the stairs. I'm really worried about, it's perfect for Halloween if we ever have a normal Halloween. But if my five-year-old opens it and she sees this, this glaring mask with the eyes, I made them cut the eyes out. So I can have, it looks awful. It's so frightening. <laughs> it's like something out of an 80s horror film. Um, I love that you kept it. <laughs> No, but you know, now I'm slightly regretting. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll put it in my next show. Yeah, I think so. I think that's definitely got to come out on stage. Yeah. Do you find that um, nurses have a quite a dark sense of humour? I, well, I'll tell you what they have. They, they just have magic. I'm, I've got <laughs> such a love affair with my nurses. Um, yeah. And I'm still in touch with, with the ones that I probably shouldn't have anything to do with anymore because they're like surgical nurses. But, um, you know, I just missed a call from one of them where they, they save my sanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're easy to make laugh, but at the same time, they also understand that it's, it's also covering up a lot of fear. Um, so they also take my situation seriously, probably more seriously than I do. Yeah. Um, so they're always saying, yeah, but how are you really, Tracy? What is really going on? You know, never mind the bondage jokes. What is happening? How are you feeling? What's going on with this symptom? So they're amazing, you know. It's um, it's very humbling to be around people who um, who are just so just so lovely. They're just yeah. so lovely. It makes such a difference when you're enduring hideous treatment to have somebody genuinely warm around you who gives yeah. a shit. Yeah, totally. And yeah. sees you, right? They they got quite high bullshit monitors, nurses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i see that that's a great joke but like how's it going <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing so um my last question to all my uh podcasters is um any funny period stories that you may have or can share well it's interesting i was thinking about it this morning because you warned me god bless you um, <laughs> um and i was <laughs> I was talking about it with my 10 year old because I was 10 when I got my first period Okay. and my funny period story, I don't know how hilarious it is, but it's like, it, it just shows the disconnect between my initial 
feeling about periods than what I was taught yeah, yeah. by my peer group. So the, my first, I was, so I was 10, year, 10 years old. Um, um, as far as I know, I don't remember being told anything about it by anyone, certainly not my parents. I must have picked up something from a friend or a TV program or something. But I knew that having blood come out of that end meant having your period. Yeah. Meant meant becoming a woman or something i had that equation in my head yeah i was in the toilet i fat i, I wiped i saw the blood and i i just went Woo-hoo! and i held <laughs> it up like i just won i found some serious treasure like some serious treasure and i remember running out of the toilet i mean let's hope that i pulled everything up that needed to be pulled up but my my mum was like we had guests in the house and we had there was like people everywhere and I remember like practically shoving it in her face saying, look, mommy, look, I'm a woman. <laughs> I've arrived. <laughs> and I've got friends who remember that because they were there. They were little, they were little people wow. uh, in, in the house. And they say, yeah, I remember when you got your period, you were a nut job. You just running around the house with this blood soaked bit of tissue. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't give a shit. And I, I, my mum probably said something like, muzzle tov, darling, now go and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> and, you know, let's go on with having our guests. Yeah. I was really genuinely excited. And it wasn't until I was a teenager. And, and I suppose I was more aware of, of the pain that I had, the aches, mm. that it became an, oh. And then you have all the language around it, which is very yeah. negative and shameful and, don't go, don't go swimming and don't go swimming in the sea or be eaten by a shark. It's just all these like horrible like <laughs> stories and language around it. It's like, Oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I told my, it, it was lovely. Actually, it was such a lovely opportunity to be reminded about that moment because, because my, my nine year old turned 10 last week and wow. I want to tell her about this. And she was fascinated and she was laughing as well at the thought yeah. of me sticking some blood, blood soaked tissue in front of her grandmother's face and my innocence. Yeah. And, and I, I want her to know that, that it's okay and it's normal and it's natural and it's part of life. But yeah. the, the real irony is, is that, you know, I've got no estrogen in me now. And when yeah. my period stopped, I didn't even really notice it was during chemo and yeah. they never came back because I was put in medical menopause. Yeah. So I, I don't have them anymore and I miss them. You yeah. know, I do miss them. It does, it, it changes you, not just physically, but it was such a, it, there was such a rhythm to the month with them. Yeah. I, and I loved the apps that I had that would give me my horoscope for the day where I was lonely. And I was really lucky. I was very predictable. Yeah. It was, it was very normalizing. It was very, it was lovely. And I do miss that. Yeah. You know, there's, bloody disease it asks so much of women you know yeah. in terms of you know everything you know hair breasts hormones energy yeah because i think one of the most one, one of the, you know we're, we're hard on ourselves on, on so many levels about attractiveness appearance energy and and this disease in particular attacks all of those tenets of what it means to be you know a, a, a young energetic woman yeah. And that, that's the thing that I don't know. I don't know how to be funny about that sometimes. I really don't. Yeah. Because it's not easy. No, no, it's not easy. And I think it's okay to have those, like, that's just not funnyable, you know, 
parts of it. I'm um, not going to give up. I'm still going to try yeah, and find a way yeah. to do it because, because, but, but for now I'm just like, oh, I just want to have energy and have bone density and all the other things that yeah. people, people take for granted unless they're extremely old. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Extremely. Which, you know, is such a, a massive part of my work is because it's that re-education of how important they actually are. Um, and the just the humongous lie we've been dished out of, ah, they're not that important. You know, they're for having kids, and if you if you don't choose to have that, then you know you don't really need them, and you can just stop them, and you can do this, and you can, uh, you know, no one sees the gravitas of someone's period disappearing or them being so heavy that they bleed onto the couch or, you know, pain and all that kind of. It's all very normalised. Um, and there was a, a piece fucking patriarchy that's what it is yeah it totally is uh, there's a piece um in the guardian last week about the um misogyny in the health service of, of women not being listened to when they're expressing pain or um you know or anything to do like hormonally gynecologically mm. all of that kind of stuff is very much oh it's just part of being a woman or periods oh, are meant to yeah. hurt and it's yeah. like oh <laughs> so yeah i feel like i'm up against a massive like wave of unlearning um for for women to actually see that it is a really important part you don't have to go and hug a tree about it and be all like oh i love it i'm gonna howl under the moon and and put wall paint all over my face you don't have to do that <laughs> drink your lunar juices for a boost in your psychic energy in your plant pot. I mean, they'll make everything grow, but you know, you don't, you don't have to. It's not that kind of no. thing about no, it. It's, it's the, about, it's about. I think it's about women trusting themselves, and you know, and during my first pregnancy, I wished I had a stronger voice because I think in pregnancy, I, my body was totally fucked, mm -hmm. and um, I had abnormal amounts of sickness, but I was dismissed as well, yeah. and I lost so much weight. Yeah. And then I just kept being congratulated on being a skinny mum. Wow. So, I mean, it's so toxic. Yeah. What, what people expect of women, you've got, to, you've got to be stoic. You've got to be skinny. You've got to be everything. You know, it's just, it's just, it, it fucking enrages me. That's yeah. gonna be. And even then, if you do that, that's not enough. There's another goalpost is widened out. So, mm. you know, if you're, you know, if you do meet the skinny standards, then it, you've got to be, you know something else along with that there will never be enough so you know loving yourself is a really rebellious act in itself um, yeah totally <laughs> so oh, i've got goosebumps <laughs> oh and sometimes you know when we can't love ourselves we've got to let you've got to let our friends love us and we've got yeah. to open up we've got to just say look i'm going through fucking hell and you know my one of my friends <laughs> She knew I was having, you know, it was a hard time. And I had the, I had the girl's birthdays like within two weeks. And she yeah. bought me a stuffed toy, like on one of my kids. And I was like, I, tre it's, it's, you probably, I don't, you can't say it because I've got this stupid thing. But she just bought me this stupid fluffy flamingo. And that little tiny act of sweetness yeah. totally melted my heart. So even when we can't love ourselves, let's love each other for God's yeah. sake. Yeah, totally. Because... It really, you know, you never know when a fluffy flamingo will sort you out. 
and that is not a euphemism <laughs> <laughs> maybe it could be <laughs> oh tracy it's been an absolute dream chatting to you today yeah. my love thank you so much for your time and sharing your story mm -hmm. um yeah it's been an absolute pleasure i'm going to put all of the notes uh, in the show notes you'll be able to um catch on tracy's amazing um shows and uh, what she's been up to with everything but yeah thank you so much for joining the podcast and thank you Gemma. it's awesome yeah. it's really i'll awesome. see you on the circuit sometime yeah <laughs> i'll match you your fannies for my for my boobies yeah absolutely sounds like it sounds like a plan jan we'll crush them <laughs> love it all right my darling take care bye, bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved it, feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow. You can find more information on my website, thewellwomanproject.com, or come find me on the grid on Insta or on my Facebook page. You can also drop me an email, gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem. <laughs>